Hi, this is Jeff Cooper with another Disney at Work podcast. Today we talk about Judson Green, his life and his role in the Walt Disney Company. Most people don't know who Judson Green is, even among Disney fans, but he led the Disney parks worldwide during an era known as the Disney Decade, a period of time that was sandwiched between the years of Dick Nunes and later on Paul Pressler. His contribution is meaningful and significant, not so much for the resorts, parks, and attractions that were built, but for the kind of culture he created within the organization. And for that reason, I wanted to use this podcast as a tribute, not only to his life, but an opportunity to reflect and think about how we see our leadership and our lives in terms of working with others. I hope you'll join us and be sure to check out our notes page at disneyatwork.com. After his departure as Disney CEO, Michael Eisner was apparently asked what he felt his greatest contribution was to the Disney parks. Perhaps befuddled or taken surprise by surprise by the question, he stated on the fly that perhaps it was improving the quality of the food inside the parks. While there is probably a podcast that could be dedicated to that notion alone, and while perhaps the response at its outset sounds kind of humble, considering all that Michael did contribute to the organization, the truth is Michael missed an enormous opportunity. An outgoing CEO should have shared how he or she truly brought great people together as a team to do incredible things. He or she then could share examples of such individuals, their strengths, and their contributions. Instead, he chose to be acknowledged for bringing in the California Grill. This week, Judson Green, one of those people Michael both promoted and demoted, passed away. Many know of Dick Nunes, who preceded Green, and of Paul Pressler, who followed after him, but few things are known or said about the man who bridged both of these tenures, and that man is Judson Green. Here is what his D23 bio states as it relates to Disney. It's perhaps the only official notation that's been made of Judson Green. Quote, he joined Walt Disney World in 1981 as management audit manager. In 1987, he was named Senior Vice President and CFO for Euro Disneyland, and in 1989, he became Senior Vice President and CFO for the Walt Disney Company. He was named President of Walt Disney Attractions in 1991 and Chairman in 1998. He served until April of 2000. Here's what Michael wrote in his autobiography about his early days with Judson. 
In addressing a drop of attendance in Disney parks of nearly 5 million in 1991, and in part because of the Gulf War, but also competition with Vegas and other entities, Michael Eisner notes, quote, in addition to the problems of increased competition and the recession, we faced other issues. One was that by 1992, the introduction of high-profile new attractions had slowed to a trickle at Disneyland and Walt Disney World. The second was that the thousands of new employees didn't reflect the standards that were second nature to our longtime cast members, a problem to which Judson Green, the new president of Walt Disney Attractions, turned much of his attention toward. Nothing so visibly defines Disney's parks as the warmth and commitment of our cast members over the years and the appreciation that guests feel for the way they're treated. Judson and his team set out to reaffirm these values. I was first impressed with Judson when he worked with Gary Wilson on the negotiations with John Tishman. He had a long and varied history in the company, including a stint as CFO. While he had a classic business and finance background and a genuine enthusiasm for operations, I liked that he also was an accomplished jazz pianist." End of quote. Frank Wells noted that stressful time working out negotiations that Disney was making with Marriott and Tishman. Accordingly, Frank Wells took a cocktail napkin and jotted down terms of a deal with Marriott and Tishman. He wanted Judson to negotiate. Don't drop the ball, Wells said in parting. Judson didn't drop the ball. As noted in Disney War by James B. Stewart, Judson spent the better part of a year negotiating an agreement with Marriott, Tishman, and Disney. Then, Michael and Frank decided they shouldn't go out of house to do their resorts. Rather, they should go it alone. Taking Judson on a walk through one of the parks, Wells stated, quote, We're going to pull the plug. Michael and I think we can create more value. We don't need Marriott. End of quote. Then, recognizing Judson's disappointment after spending a year on the project, he put his arm around Green and said, There will be plenty more great deals. This just wasn't meant to be. For Judson, there were many more deals to come. Such a moment came when Euro Disneyland exceeded its $1.3 billion budget on its way to $2 billion. Plus, construction had fallen way behind. Wells came back to Green, who was told to rescue the opening and get operations up to speed in time for the opening of the park. Judson brought over 500 Disney employees from Orlando and Anaheim to prepare Paris for the opening. Working 18-hour days over a four-month period, they opened on time, but the financial budget couldn't be saved. And when the receipts all came in, the park ultimately cost closer to $4 billion to open. Eisner would blame Wells and Gary Wilson on the cost overruns. Gary actually had left the company by then, and Wells died in a terrible, terrible accident not long after. Uh, but Judson was promoted head of theme parks worldwide, replacing the infamous Dick Nunes. Dick, in turn, would be made chairman. To understand the context for Judson's advent it is to understand the man he replaced when he became president of Walt Disney Attractions. Until that time, Dick Nunes, 
who had worked directly with Walt Disney and had become responsible over time for all theme parks operations was a force to be reckoned with. There are volumes that could be written about Dick Nunes, but the one challenge noted here was that under Dick, the parks organization had essentially become somewhat of a private men's club. No question, they had created a solid foundation and structure for how Disney had been revered for its ability to deliver a first-class guest experience. But it had been attained in a very directive, even controlling style. Not unusual for its time period, but still not right culturally for a company whose symbol was Mickey Mouse. And by its very nature, it was hardly diverse. Judson's magnus opus was what Michael Eisner and others have referred to as the Disney decade. During the 90s, Green took the Disney parks to a a new level, nearly tripling their annual profit to $1.45 billion over eight years. He championed the opening of Disney's Animal Kingdom, expanded operations in Anaheim, Paris, Tokyo, and Florida, and forged the way for building a resort in Hong Kong. In terms of theme parks, they grew from 6 to 11, and hotel rooms, they nearly tripled from 10,661 to 28,270. But Judson Green's best contribution came in the form of what was referred to as performance excellence. It wasn't just a program. It was an effort to redefine the paradigm of how Disney should approach its work. At the core of the performance excellence philosophy was a couple of notions. Let me quote Judson himself. Quote, In the future, it will be critically important for us to focus not only on achieving the business results, but how we achieve those results. End of quote. Translated, too many Disney executives lived in a my way or the highway mentality. As long as they got results, it didn't seem to matter to them how they got results as long as they were achieved. But in attaining those results, they were often burning bridges with people around them, leaving people demoralized. In the end, what mattered was working effectively with others to achieve those results, not just results alone. Here's another quote from Judson, quote, I believe we have the opportunity and the duty to fashion an organization where everyone is involved, everyone is fully engaged, and everyone is a player, end of quote. Again, organizations succeed not because the leader at the top makes decisions, or even great decisions by that by that means, but but rather everyone is effectively engaged in arriving and executing the best decisions possible. That was not how the Disney parks were running prior to Judson. And even today, that mentality still festers in too many corners of the organization. The connection of great leaders engaging employees leading to highly satisfied customer experiences were explained by the following quotation. Justin stated, quote, we proved with hard data that great leadership, 
caste excellence, guest satisfaction, and the bottom line are inextricably linked. End of quote. What made these notions really stand out was how Judson applied the concepts to jazz music. In fact, one of the things that made Judson such a great leader for a show business company like Disney is that he understood show as much as he understood business. Think of it. Most Disney executives do not have an artistic understanding of the work or of how creativity and innovation is achieved. To this end, Judson was both a talented pianist and composer, that mix of artistry and business acumen that made him unique. In an article penned by his alma mater, DePaul University, where he would eventually serve as chairman of the board of trustees, Judson noted, quote, if you have a foundation and you're going to play a 32-bar tune and you're going to play it very simply, and we agree on the time and the key, we even agree on the leader, then at least in jazz, you're basically free to do anything you want to do. And each musician can be as creative as he or she wants to be, but they have to align themselves with a few principles. The foundation that I'm talking about in order to enable creativity, in order to encourage it. I like the beauty of that, end of quote. In business, he said, quote, you want people to be free and creative and pursue what they think is right, but nonetheless be grounded in something, grounded in some beliefs that they can buy into, end of quote. This was the philosophy of Judson Green. This was the concept around performance excellence. This was the hope for taking the organization to the next level. It is something to be, to be worked on, to be, to be focused on. It is an approach and a paradigm to leadership that truly succeeds. So what happened? Why didn't Judson Green rise up like Bob Chapek to become the next CEO of the Walt Disney Company? He would have been a great head of the Walt Disney Company. And fortunately, the very man who promoted men and women like Green also frustrated men and women like Green, Michael Eisner. The LA Times noted at the departure of Green that some 75 high-level managers at Disney had left the company over the previous six years. In truth, this was the era where Eisner was falling quickly. In the words of the LA Times, quote, Sources said Green was frustrated by what he considered Eisner's overemphasis on extracting profits from the parks and loss of interest in further expansions. Green, who had reported to Eisner for 11 years, also said to be tired of Eisner's tendency to play executives against one another. In, other, in the words of one insider, a Darwinian game of survival of the fittest, end of quote. Disney War notes the following conversation between Eisner and Judson. Quote, Apart from the ongoing woes of Euro Disney, the theme parks had been Disney's most constantly profitable division under Judson Green. But it was obvious that Eisner accorded the division little respect, attributing the positive results far more to the creative efforts of the Imagineers than to the park's executives. 
At one point, he referred to the executives working under Green as, quote, monkeys. What do you mean by that? Green asked. They don't have any brains. They're, they're not smart. It's, it's a simple business. Green let the remark pass, but it didn't occur to him that Eisner might think the same about him. But then, just before Thanksgiving, Eisner summoned Green to his office. Paul Pressler, the young, energetic executive who had succeeded Steve Burke at running the Disney stores, had just gotten a job offer from the toy company Mattel. Pressler was handsome, charismatic, a personal favorite of Eisner. Nothing personal. I don't want to hurt you. But I'm promoting Paul to president of Parks and Resorts, Eisner informed Green. You can stay as long as you want, but you won't have any responsibilities. Green was stunned. He had no warning. He had delivered the results Eisner and the financial planners had asked for. Eisner had even praised him in his autobiography for the special passion he'd brought to building the animal kingdom and for his creativity as a jazz pianist. Eisner would deny saying this or hosting this conversation with Judson, and the book notes this. What is known is that Green agreed to remain as chairman of the parks and resorts until negotiations with Hong Kong could be completed. Once that was over, Judson would go on taking over the bankrupt NACTEC Corporation in 2000. Most people know this technology or the technology from this organization for applications such as OnStar found in vehicles. He was very successful there. Green was also diagnosed during this time with leukemia. Accordingly, treatment sent him into remission before the leukemia returned in a more aggressive form. This time, the treatment was a stem cell transplant. About 130 days after a May 2011 procedure, Green was then diagnosed with lymphoma. He underwent chemotherapy and went into remission, though he suffered two strokes and had graft-versus-host disease, a consequence of this transplant. I last saw Judson not long after he had struggled with these events. It was late in the evening in the MCO airport, Orlando airport, on the train that leads you from the gates back to the main terminal. We were both coming off of long flights. I approached him and shared with him how his philosophy about performance excellence had been the basis for so many organizations I had worked with over the years and that his influence was not lost. He was gracious in my compliments and we bid farewell. Leadership in life. It's not just about getting results, but how effectively you work with others to attain those results. Well, I share all this in context because I think there's some lessons here for anyone's life. Ask yourself the following. How do I balance getting results with working effectively with others? How do I connect effective leadership with an engaged workforce? Given the required structure, do I give freedom for my employees to play the music they are gifted to play at work. Will I be remembered as one who fostered the development of others? What legacy will I leave as a leader? Finally, as an afterward, allow me to say that 
I think Judson deserves to be posthumously honored as a Disney legend of the Walt Disney Company and with a window in every park he played a key role in, particularly the Magic Kingdom, Disney's Animal Kingdom, and Hong Kong Disneyland. By the way, I think that window should be partially opened and from it, jazz music playing. That's it for this DisneyAtWork.com. I hope that you found meaning in this podcast and in the ideas and concepts that were laid here. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you feel to do so, look at offering a positive uh, comment or a positive uh, rating on Disney for Disney at Work and Play on our iTunes account. It helps us in our ability to reach out, not just to many Disney fans, but to people who really want to make changes in their organizations, take it to the next level. And shouldn't shouldn't we be able to take ideas from the happiest place on earth and be able to apply them to our own organization? Well, again, that does it for us. I hope you have a terrific day. Remember, in the words of Sinbad from his storybook voyage at Tokyo Disney Sea, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.